in the name of our Lord, who is resurrection and who is life. Amen. The Gospel reading is from Jesus' prayer for the church, as it, was, as it is given in John. Thursday was Ascension Day. So happens it was also EFM Graduation Day, but what's really important is that it was Ascension Day. The day Jesus returns to the Father and is seated at his right hand. There, we believe, he always intercedes for us, his people, his church. John gives us his prayer for us. Before anything else, it is a prayer for unity. As God is one and God is love, so Jesus prays that his people may be one, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Two weeks ago in Buffalo, on a Saturday afternoon, a young man, deluded in his thinking and with hate in his heart, drove some 200 miles to a grocery store, Topps Friendly Market, at the heart of a poor and, in fact, segregated neighborhood. There he opened fire on the shoppers, killing ten. I wrote this sermon on Tuesday, the day a cruelly ostracized, isolated, and angry young men attacked a school in Uvalde, Texas. Nineteen children, two teachers. The sermon this morning comes to this. The attacks tear apart our unity. We must be mindful of that unity. Treasure it. Meditate in our hearts on what it takes to be good stewards of it, to care for and preserve it. The stories of the victims are stories of innocence, of people living peaceable, simple, and faithful lives, the lives to which we are all called. In Uvalde, it was children, their parents, and their teachers. Fourth grade teachers, Irma Garcia and Ava Morales, died sheltering the children. Among those in Buffalo, two caught my attention. Aaron Salter, 55 years old, was a retired Buffalo police officer working as a security guard in the store. He stepped in front of the shooter and fired. The shooter was protected by a bulletproof vest. He killed Salter. But Salter bought time for others to take cover.
That is selfless courage. Pearl Young, 77, was a substitute teacher and active church member. 77 and managing a classroom. They all exemplify the life and commitments I can only hope to follow. In the early 1600s, John Donne wrote, Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Church bells were tolled at a funeral, which was a frequent occurrence in plague-ravaged London. Dunn himself, when he wrote those words, was recovering from a life-threatening illness. He has the humility to see that we cannot separate ourselves from common threats and struggles. It is the common life, just as surely as it is the book of common prayer, the prayer of us all. There is a real unity between us. In 21st century, we might rephrase done something like this. Ask not who was shopping at Tops or whose children went to school that morning. You and yours. Okay, I'm no John Donne, but you get the point. This Lent, Reinhold Niebuhr sort of became a household word around this parish with the study group. He was the great theologian. His writings spanned the Great Depression, World War II, and the Cold War. Core to Niebuhr's thinking is this. As God is love, the unity between life and life is the full expression of his nature and work. Unity is God's gift to be accepted freely and received with joy. All life, Niebuhr says, stands under responsibility to this loving will the responsibility to preserve and care for unity. Think about it. In every society, doesn't matter when or where, it is wrong to take life and property. We recognize an obligation to affirm and protect the life of others. We just do. Whether we know it or not, we believe, Niebuhr says, that life is related to life in some unity of harmony and existence. Of course, our life together always falls short of unity. You may have noticed that. Always will. We can't fix the problem. But we have hope and hope informs our actions. Again, hope informs 
our actions. Hope is not just what we wish will happen in the future. Hope is a reason for action in the present. As we hope, so we act. Destructive violence negates our moral intuitions and commitments. It mocks our hope. In the face of that threat, we must remember God and act with hope. And that's my first point on what it takes to be good stewards of the unity of life with life. As God is love, Unity is the fruit of his work in us and for us. By the grace of God, our hope is trustworthy and true. Jesus' prayer is that by that grace, those who are his own will know love and live in unity. That they may be one as we are one, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. In John's Gospel, Jesus offers the prayer on his last night with the disciples, just before they head up to the garden. He faces his darkest hour, yet he speaks as if his life project is already complete as if he is already with God, and his care is now entirely for us. There's a serenity to it. His mind is calm and his vision is clear, as if he sees things from a mountaintop. Or again, it's as if he is living in God's time, and already sees the fullness of God's good purpose for us in this age and the age to come. His last words on the cross are, it is accomplished. And with that, he gives himself to us. He prays in hope, but in the providence of God, he doesn't carry the burden of hope by himself. God's grace is our hope. You may have heard or seen the great speech Martin Luther King gave in Memphis the last night of his life. As he came to the end of it, he said, it really doesn't matter with me now. I just want to do God's will. The eerie thing, of course, is he was assassinated the next day. Of course, what we do matters. King knew that. But our hope is not in ourselves. It is in the fullness of God's good purpose for us, and our part is to do his will. Jesus prays for us in hope, he gives himself to us in hope. His prayer and sacrifice give substance to our hope.
Yet, honestly, it's difficult to hold this into our hearts and minds. Difficult to see day in and day out what difference this really makes. Part of the difficulty here is that self-centered as we are, we cannot adapt to God's gift, God's generosity. Even our faith can be self-centered, focused on what God is doing in my life, helping me in the difficulties I face. You see where this is going? We expect our faith to work for us. Best self-help there is, guys, you know, better even than Dr. Phil. Before we know it, we're thinking of God as the ultimate personal assistant. Alexa, add laundry detergent to my shopping list. God, fix my problems. Of course it won't work. And then we have the nerve to give up on God when it doesn't. Jesus prays for us. What if, when we hear this, we remember that he prays for his whole church? He prays for me as a member of the church. Which is to say, really, he prays for all for whom he died. The knowledge that Jesus is praying for us is reason for humility. And my second point is that it takes humility to be good stewards of the unity of life with life. With hope and humility, we can be stewards of the unity that is God's good purpose for us. Will it make a difference? Well, to act as a person of hope is to turn away from the evils that come when fear and rage prey on my heart. With humility comes gentleness and reverence for others. I rejoice in the good I find in others, whoever they may be. In turn, I learn that whatever good I find in myself, I find only as I respond to others. With hope and humility come the trust and patience to know that real change involves countless different people contributing in countless different ways and often unfolds over generations. I don't have to carry the burden of hope by myself. I can turn away from simplistic certainties that often have a sort of right now element to them and for the same reason often breed intolerance and hatred. Instead, in simplicity and purity of heart, 
I understand that it really doesn't matter with me now. I just want to do God's will. To pray in hope and humility is to pray in the, in the assurance that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has opened the kingdom to all believers that I might join the holy innocence of Uvalde, Irma Garcia and Ava Morales, Aaron Salter and Pearl Young in the great communion of saints. In the words of the Easter hymn, our hearts be pure from evil, that we may see aright the Lord in rays eternal of resurrection light. And listening to his accents, may hear so calm and plain his own all hail and hearing may raise the victor's strain. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.